Well, greetings to each and every one of you. We just want to acknowledge um, your presence with us. We want to thank you for allowing us to come into your homes and allowing us to just meet with you and just to drop some thoughts into your spirit, man. Today, our direction is on prayer. And I find that, uh, you know, with this lack of, uh, of fellowship and uh, exchange of thoughts and ideas, just being together, it seems like it's taking a toll on uh, our prayer life. And I'm talking about a meaningful prayer. I'm talking about uh, a prayer that uh, is not demanding as we have been taught, but it is a form of prayer that uh, places God where he should be in our lives. And so today we're going to look at Second uh, Chronicles chapter 6. We're just going to take a few verses. What uh, really just impress upon my heart that uh, we need to learn how to pray God's word. Because when we communicate with God, it is not how loud we pray. It is not the fancy words that we would use. But it is reminding ourselves who God is. Because our prayer, it is sharpening our, our own communication with God. Not that uh, the more fanciful we pray, then we are able to grab God's heart. But I do believe that God answers to his word. And we have the word recorded. And the people in the Old Testament, their prayer was in the direction of who they perceived God to be. And we find Solomon's prayer in Second Chronicles 6, simply imploring God, that he would remember the promise that he made to his father David. He's reminding God and by implication, reminding himself that God had said to David, since I have found you to be a man after my own heart, I will establish rulership in your house, in your stead, your children, would continue the legacy of leading my people. And, and so Solomon, when he gets now to absolutely take over from his uh, father, and he starts off with uh, real gusto. He starts off really hanging on to the very essence of what his father stood for. 
You would remember that uh, uh, David, it was in his heart, according to Second uh, Samuel chapter 7, it was in David's heart to build God a house or to build a okay. In our uh, today, our building the house for God, it is building our own lives. But we see that as in uh, David's case, it says that he had found rest. He had come to a place of satisfaction with how God had guided him from the day that he followed his father's sheep, which we can see as learning to pastor the congregation from that very young age. And we see then when he found himself in this position of rest, he found that he was surrounded by beauty of the house that he had built for himself. And he would say to the, the prophet, he says, Prophet Nathan, he says, I am dwelling in such a beautiful house. But look where God's presence is housed. It's housed in a tent. He has no permanent residence. And so he had desired to pull God a house. And you, you know, God said, no, you're not going to do it because you've been through too much. And so You've got blood on your hands. I can't have you build a house. But I understand that your heart is in the right place. But I will allow your son to build a house. And so, here now in Second Chronicles 6, we find Solomon having finally built the house. And this is what he says. Second Chronicles 6, verse 1. Then said Solomon, The Lord had said that he would dwell in a thick darkness. But I have built a house of habitation for you and a place for your dwelling forever. And the king turned his face and blessed the whole congregation of Israel. And all the congregation of Israel stood still. Stood. For of course, at this time, it was a time of dedicating the temple to God. It had taken many years to build. And so it was a dedication service that we are going into. But I want you to pay attention later on of how he prays. I was absolutely so impressed that there are some verses that I would want us to really study, to proclaim it into our own homes, to take up the lessons that are found in Solomon's prayer. Don't worry that uh, he went off the rails later on. 
You know, sometimes we we take the wrong things and measure them above of what is happening currently in our own lives. Because this year, I want us to take it out of Scripture and apply it to ourselves, apply it to our own lives. It's okay, you know, it is a story there, but if we cannot take the Word of God as we've been reminded of how to effectively communicate with God, then it is pointless. Because I really believe that God is on a search, He is on a a move to allow each individual to have a personal relationship with Him. I dare say that It is the Lord's doing, not coronavirus. It is the Lord's doing that the church is currently shut. And my heart yearns for fellowship. But at the same time, I am not going to violate what is going on around us right now. Simply because I want the church to come together. We are going to reopen the church. But as to when, that is yet to be decided. But whilst we are shut down, what are you and I doing to consolidate our place in God through prayer, through reading of scripture, through communion, through... uh, phoning others and sending messages to others, you know, just to encourage, to encourage. You know, we can send, uh, you know, these uh, copy and paste messages. It doesn't say much about your well-being spiritually. But when I hear what God is saying to you, you pin it and you send it to whomsoever you believe God is uh, sending that, or the, the word that God is currently saying at that particular time. For me, I think that makes such a difference when I hear your personal take on what God is saying in the current situation. God has not lost control. He's still in charge. And we need to remind ourselves that God has everything under control. I know people are losing their lives left, right, and center. There is pain all around. But that does not mean that God has lost his position. Remember, we are not here forever. We are here to represent God. I find that it is so such an awesome understanding that we are here at God's behest. And as I've stated here before, we will not go any sooner than God's timing. If you are a child of God, you need to hang on that position. Lord, I will go when I am ready. You have qualified me to come before your presence. We're not going any time sooner than that.
I don't know when. But my take is that God helped me to fulfill all that which you called me on earth for. And I find that it is my responsibility to be reminded of what God requires from me. And so, let's read on. And uh, verse 4, he says, And he blessed, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who has with his hands fulfilled that which he spoke with his mouth to my father David, saying, Since the day that I brought forth my people out of the land of Egypt, I chose no city among all the tribes of Israel to build a house in, that my name might be there. Neither chose, chose I any man to be a ruler over my people Israel. But I have chosen Jerusalem. And I can safely say, God is saying to you, I have chosen you. Leave alone Jerusalem. Jerusalem historically is there. But what does it make in the spirit? It must make that God has chosen whomsoever. If you are born again, you experience his grace. It must mean you are the Jerusalem of God. That my name might be there. You are called a Christian, aren't you? You are called a believer. You are called a follower of Jesus Christ that my name might be there forever. And I have chosen David to be over my people Israel. And so God will choose whom would lead you. Now, it was in the heart of David, my father, to build a house for the name of the Lord God of Israel. Okay, I think I have covered that. Okay, um, all right, maybe let's just read on. But the Lord said to David, my father, for as much as it was in your heart to build a house for my name, you did, you did well in that it was in your heart. God is commending or commended David, said you done well, that you wanted to do this. You wanted to do something good for God. You see, you will find also in Second uh, Samuel 7 where God is speaking on the same vein right now, saying to David, I chose you. And he says, be reminded because you worked for the good of the kingdom. I had to take the kingdom away from Saul. Because Saul was working for his own good. It was about him and his sons. It was about him being the man. Okay, you remember when he was chosen, it's the Bible says he was uh, fair looking. He, was, he stood uh, shoulders above everybody else. So he became important to himself. You will understand that to be why. 
when he should have waited for the prophet of God to come and do the things or that uh, priest was a uh, prophet or priest was supposed to do, he became impatient and he decided to do that which was unlawful for him to do. But he found himself that he, he could do anything that he wanted. And with that, he lost the kingdom. It was actually through that stubborn attitude that God decided, I cannot trust or entrust you the things of the kingdom to a man that is important to himself. He says, I found David. When Saul, you were going crazy, ready to kill David, you will call for him to come and play soothing music when the demons were troubling you. David would come and play. Even, I mean, David knew that a man wants to eliminate him, and yet he decided to be a blessing to them. You know, what a beautiful heart this man had. And God sees that. He sees that things that you would do to beautify the kingdom, to add value to the kingdom. Anyway, let's, let's go on. Verse 9, it says, not with stay. Okay, let me skip that one. Verse 10, it says, the Lord therefore has performed his word. You see, Solomon finds a beautiful place from which to begin to communicate with God because his father had set the platform, he had set the standard, he had openly discussed his uh, fellowship with God, he was open about his faith before his children. And so there comes at, uh, 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 Solomon comes at this space and he speaks saying, I have seen how you worked with my father, how my father submitted himself to you. And so I am coming from that platform of knowing that you are God who answers prayer. And so I'm coming from that position. He says, uh, verse 10, he says, The Lord therefore has performed his word. In other words, saying, I have seen your works. That he had spoken, for I am risen up in the room of David, my father, and I have been set on the throne of Israel as the Lord promised. Second um, Samuel 7 again. And have built the house for the name of the Lord God of Israel. And in it have I put the ark. Very critical. Very critical that we need to learn when we build uh, the kingdom of God in our lives and with our children around us. That the covenant of God is made to be to have that preeminence in the house. You know, sometimes we can uh, look for scriptures that talks about success, talk about how to make money, how to manage money. Most of the time, especially this time, you know, we, we can easily get carried away with that and say we're building our children's legacy, our children's future, by making sure that our, they know how to take care of money. 
very good if you teach your children how to uh, manage money. But if you never teach your children how to place God in the center of everything that they will do, money will hijack them. Success will hijack them. You don't know how to teach your children to tithe. You know, even as I was uh, preparing this, as I was reading the same scripture, when I read about honor, I had to put everything down and go and do my tithes of tithes. Because I realized that I wasn't paying my tithes, I was honoring my spiritual father. It, it is felt it was a right thing because I stand here because I have somebody who is my overseer, who's, I know he prays for me. I know that, uh, his heart is that I succeed. And therefore I place value on his input. We might not communicate every day, not even a, a month. Sometimes we go three, four months without having any communication. But I know that we are, I know his father, the fathering grace that he carries. It doesn't mean that because uh, we haven't uh, spoken personally that uh, his care over me is any less. And so my responsibility is to honor those that have played a pivotal role in my life. And so I had to do that. I found it, it was just absolutely necessary to put the word of God into practice. And so I done that. But uh, what I'm saying again is verse 11 of chapter 6, 2 Chronicles, it says, And in it have I put in the house that I built for the Lord, I have put the ark wherein is a covenant of the Lord that he made with the children of Israel. And I wonder what covenant do you keep with God? You know, I've spoken about tithing and all that. That's come second. But the covenant that you have with God will allow you, if you know the covenant that you have with God, that you place honor on God, then tithing will become a second nature. It won't be a thing that you have to say, oh, I must do this, oh, maybe I can skip this here. You, you just simply do it. Why? Because you're honoring God's word and you're honoring um, this, uh, the principle of sowing and reaping. And so, anyway, not talking about money today. Uh, uh, verse 12, it says, And he stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the people of the congregation of Israel, and he spread forth his hands. And uh, verse 14, I want to skip because of time. And he says, and, and said his prayer now, O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like you in the heaven, no on the earth, which keeps covenant and shows mercy to your servants that walk before you with all their hearts. You have kept 
with your servant, my father, uh, with your servant David, my father, that which you have promised him, and you have spoken with your mouth, and you have fulfilled it with your hand, as it is today. He is saying, I am a witness that you made a promise to my father, and today is a fulfillment of that promise. And verse 16, he says, And now, therefore, O Lord God of Israel, keep with your servant David, my father, that which you have promised him, saying, There shall not fail thee a man in your house to sit upon the throne of Israel, yet so that your children take heed to their way, to walk in your law and you and to walk before you. Now then, O Lord God of Israel, let your word be verified which you have spoken unto your servant David. But will God in very deed dwell with men on the earth? Suddenly, Solomon is become is. He's awestruck that could actually the God of the creation, the God who dwells in heaven, the God who owns everything, could it be that he could come and dwell amongst people? And then he says, Behold, heaven, behold, heaven and the heavens of heavens cannot contain you. How much less this house which I have built. Suddenly he, he senses that what he has done is so insignificant to this awesome God. But listen to his next prayer. As he, as he continues, verse 19. He says, Have respect, therefore, to the prayer of your soul. For me, it is such a humbling prayer, a humbling position. That even though he comes from this rich legacy of how his father conducted his life before God, and then he's gone, and I mean, David had collected all the materials that this boy needed to do. And suddenly, Saul, as Solomon, finds himself. Could this happen? That God will actually come and occupy whatever book. Perhaps it could be looked at it in your own life. How sometimes we feel so insignificant. We feel sometimes, uh, could it be true? Is it really true that God would choose me? Would choose to place his Holy Spirit in my life? So he finds himself in this humbling experience. He says, nevertheless, Lord, would you just pray, pay heed? to my prayer and my request. I'll read 19 again. He says, Have respect, therefore, to the prayer of your servant and to his supplication. 
He says, O oh Lord uh, my God, to hearken unto the cry and the prayer which your servant prays before you, that your eyes may be open upon this house day and night, upon the place whereof you have said that you will put your name there. I want you to take this, this prayer. Forget about the temple. Speak about this temple. Speak about your own personal life. Bring it home. Bring it home. Verse 20 again. That your eyes may be open upon this house day and night. Upon the place whereof you have said that you would put your name there. To hearken to the prayer which your servant prays towards this place. Hearken therefore unto the supplication of your servant and of the people of Israel, which they shall make towards this place. Yea, thou from your dwelling place, even from heaven, and when you hear, forgive. And, well, I think I'm, my time is run, so I'm going to move a little faster, but please do yourself a favor. Just read through this very carefully. Take some of the words and prayer that Solomon offers before God and personalize it. Take them in. Really absorb them. Lord, have respect or pay attention to my prayer. When I come, supplication means when I pray in earnestness, when my heart is broken, hear my prayer, Lord. Because uh, I am speaking to a living God. I am speaking to my Father. And when I pour out my Father, I know that my Father has a way of coming to my rescue. This is where Solomon is at. He is dependent on God answering the prayer. You understand that he had invited the whole people of Israel to come and be a witness to what they were doing. And right now, you have a whole witness around you. The church has got a whole witness around us that sometimes you're not even aware of how people are watching your life. And so I find it is imperative that we ask God not only to sustain us, but to hear our prayer when we make our humble cry. Not this, uh, uh, I pray in the name of Jesus that it is done now. Uh, do it, you know. I don't know if we have a right to command God. I know but uh, uh, that uh, they say you need to command so the devil hears. Maybe you need to speak to the devil like that. But to my father, I have to leave it to him how he's going to bless me as I take appropriate steps to put him in the right position in my temple. When he becomes Lord over everything in my life. You know, he can be God. That's okay. 
But when he becomes Lord, it means then I am submitted to his will, to his direction, and to his purpose. There are things that I, um, my plans, my purposes need to take backseat so that the kingdom of God can, through my life, be made visible. And so, we'll continue. Your, uh, just please continue to, to read. And uh, there's a whole lot that follows about when you have fallen into sin, how God needs to uh, really now hear your prayer. I don't know when I say sin, what sin comes up into your head. But uh, the purest of the pure do sin. Because as long as you've got eyes on your face, possibility of sin presents itself on a daily basis. But the word of God says, so Solomon says, when somebody prays, hear from heaven. But I just want to close with what I found to be so beautiful, so overarching, so covering every person. Listen to it. Um, verse 29. Verse 28, let's start there. If there be uh, famine in the land, and if there be pestilence, if there be blasting or mildew or locust or caterpillar, those are all destroyers. If there be coronavirus, if their enemies besiege them in the cities of their land, whatsoever is painful or whatsoever sickness there be, then what prayer or what supplication soever shall be made by any man or of all your people Israel, when everyone shall know his own pain, and his own grief, and shall spread forth his hands in this house. Then hear thou from heaven your dwelling place, and forgive, and render unto every man according unto all his ways, whose heart you know. For you only knows the hearts of the children of men, that they may fear you to walk in your ways, so long as they live in the land which you gave unto our fathers. Salvation has been given to our fathers, our forefathers. Some of us come from Places where we, I don't know if my father was a believer. Because if he was a believer, when I went to meet him for the first time, he would have had some pain that he had walked away from his son. He should have acknowledged his son. So, I don't know, I don't think he was a believer. 
But that does not excuse me from not following Jesus Christ. For I believe that God calls us out of any mess. It doesn't matter your upbringing, what it was like. But the day you come to Jesus Christ, the word it is clear that you become a brand new man. That you will remember the past no more. When I speak about the past, I have no pain about it. God has healed me of all that. Lack that I experienced. Today I rejoice over it. Because I know that my father. Takes care. Of all my needs. According to his riches in glory. Sometimes the taking care. Is when you have nothing. And you are able to say. Thank you Lord. That you are my provider. That from this day forth. I know. That in. You, I live and move and have my being. I am totally at rest that you know all things. So, I want to submit to you this. That God absolutely cares about your fellowship with him. He had been sitting silent. Until Solomon went to speak to him through his father. He was simply just doing what he had heard his father say to the family. That my son, God will raise up to build the house of the Lord. And so I find it is each and every one of us is a responsibility to build the house of God, to build this temple. If you'll only understand how beautiful and wonderful you have been created, how patient God was in placing each part in its rightful place. He's created you completely. Yes, life happened. You've lost plenty. In fact, when you think about it, you get angry. But your anger doesn't change anything. But God, but God, when you allow Him into your life, He changes it. Most changes when he gives you his peace. Find God's peace in your turmoil. Find God's peace. And when you have come to that place, God is able to heal you. And above all, he doesn't just heal you and leave you on the shelf. He places you into his family. That you can have fellowship with him on a constant basis. Why? Because you represent him. You represent God Almighty. What a privilege. What a privilege. That you represent the God of the universe. 
read the some of this words. I think it's such a beautiful prayer. And just rehearse it over your own life, over your own household, over the church, because soon we're going to come back together. We will. But we have to, before we get there, before we rush to do that, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. And he will allow us when he does. When we come together. A church, when it comes together, listen as the last, last. Second uh, Chronicles 5. And verse 14. This is what my heart longs for. This is what my heart longs for. Verse 14. So that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud. That day, when the congregation came together and began to worship God in spirit and in truth, the word says, even the priest could not stay. Who wants a preacher to come in and make a presentation when God himself is in the house? So must we prepare ourselves that when we come together, there will be no need for any person to have to take some glory, some center stage, that we would be laying prone together in his presence, consumed by the love of God, the fellowship of his Holy Spirit, loved and hugged and kisses all over. That's my that when the church comes together, God Don't want fake things. I want God. Show us Jesus. Amen. Amen. Stay strong, church. Stay seeking. God is seeking those that will uh, worship Him in spirit and in truth. So rich is he with love that he wants to pour that out. Because when you are filled with the love of God, there is so much that we can accomplish together. God bless you. And before you switch off, can we have communion together? Just to celebrate the love of God, the fellowship of his Holy Spirit. Just grab your emblems. Just grab your emblems. Father God, we just want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have blessed it, that you would open our ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying, that you will take your word, Father God, and enrich it into our lives, that we might look to you 
because you are the author and the finisher of our faith. And Lord, even as we partake of these emblems today, we know, Father God, that the body of Jesus was broken. But it was, might have been meant to be malicious. But you said you will take those things that are meant for evil. You will turn them for good. We know the lashes that he took, the blood that he lost in the natural. But it went into the ground and healed it from the curse of heaven. And so we want to thank you for these emblems that everything that we would sow, it would produce in abundance. In Jesus' precious name. Rich blessings to you, family. Until we meet again, pay attention to what we spoke about. Pay attention to Second Samuel chapter seven. Pay attention to that.